Good morning. We'll be in the Gospel of Luke today, chapter 1. If you would like to find that in your Bibles. A baby changes everything. From the moment that you find out that you're going to be a parent for the first time, seeing the double lines on the pregnancy test, getting the call from the social worker that the adoption clinic let you know that you're the match, being told by your loved one, your life is changed forever. Your mind spins with concerned thoughts about cribs and clothes and diapers, wipes, toys, bottles, safety gates, doctor's visits, you name it. The possible fears of financially being able to pay for all that is needed for this child can be overwhelming. The possible medical concerns for the pregnancy and the delivery could be weighing on your mind too. But at the same time, your heart swells exponentially thinking about those intimate late night snuggles those sweet smells of your newborn's skin and hair, those toothless grins from ear to ear when, you when they recognize that you, in fact, are their whole world and that you love them. No longer are you focused on yourself, your needs, your desires, but rather you are all focused with your energy. It shifts to the new little one how they will be fed, clothed, cared for, provided for. In a moment, everything changes. A baby changes everything. For Mary, the announcement from the angel Gabriel that she would bear a son and that that son would be the savior of the world, that changed her life forever. That baby changed everything. Upon this announcement, Mary, who has nothing, who is considered nothing according to the social systems of the, play, of the day, she questions what is happening. But quickly, after hearing this news, she turns to sing this song of praise to God. She sings this song glorifying and magnifying God for all that he has done for her and for humanity. Her emotions, they quickly turn from fear and uncertainty about this baby to praise and joy about this baby and what is to come. She then sings this song to Elizabeth as a response to what is happening. She sings the Magnificat from Luke chapter one, beginning in verse 46. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of this servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. 
He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Glory to God. Amen. This song, while lovely in nature, because it glorifies God, this song, it also speaks of some very powerful things to come. This Messiah will change and upturn the current cultural standards. This Messiah will usher in the restorative foretaste of God's kingdom. This baby called Emmanuel will bring about a social revolution to individuals in this world as well as the world as a whole. But how? Why? Because this God of whom Mary sings, this God, he cares not just about souls, but he cares about the embodied people as a whole. God is not content merely to point people towards heaven, but he chooses to make his redemptive work begin here on earth. This God that Mary sings of is not just satisfied to fill the hungry with hope, but he cares also to fill them with real food. This God is not simply satisfied with comforting the lowly, but he cares also about lifting them up, giving dignity and honor to them, giving them a seat at the table and a voice in the conversation. This God is not simply satisfied in making changes in the lives of the lowly, but he is also interested in disrupting the world's power structures, in dethroning rulers, and in humbling the mighty and proud. This God is bringing about a leveling of the social construct. This God is Yahweh, and he is bringing about a new kingdom. Let's take a deeper look at these changes in society that Mary articulates in her song. See, Mary speaks of five main areas of reversal or change that comes through the birth of this baby, of this Messiah. The first is the reversal that Mary experiences herself. She is of low estate, a peasant girl, unmarried, living in an economically poor country. And yet, now she finds herself pregnant. But she says in verse 47 and 48, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. She moves from humble servant to being called blessed by generations to come. In today's culture, on social media, we often see this phrase, hashtag blessed, the pound symbol, blessed. It's a way of labeling or identifying a situation. When you use hashtag blessed, it's a, it's a way of proclaiming that great things have taken place for yourself. 
Great things are going on for you, and the entire world needs to see it. You label yourself as blessed and awesome. You see a picture of a large, bountiful table at Thanksgiving. Hashtag blessed. A picture of someone winning a world-renowned marathon. The caption says, hashtag blessed. A picture of somebody graduating with honors from Harvard or Yale. And the caption says, hashtag blessed. But you know, I never seem to see a picture using this identifier. A picture of someone in a corner holding a can for loose change. Hashtag blessed. I don't see that. I don't ever see a picture with the label of somebody who is a malnourished child in India with that caption, hashtag blessed. I just don't see them together. I'm uncertain, I am certain, that if social media existed when Mary was alive, not a single person would have captured her picture and put the caption, hashtag blessed, next to her face. A pregnant, unmarried teenager, peasant girl from a small village, that is the furthest thing from blessed. Even more so, as she will soon, soon learn from Simeon, that if she hasn't perceived this already, she will bear unspeakable grief watching her son be rejected, be shamed, be crucified. That is very far from any kind of definition of blessed, if you were to ask me. And yet, this is what she captions for herself. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Why? Because the Lord has remembered her. The Lord has been mindful of her. Despite all that is against her, according to the societal norms, Mary praises God for honoring her and for being mindful of her. Mary goes on in her song to speak of what God has now done for all of humanity, not just herself. She, said, she mentions three ways in verses 51 to 53, numbers two, three, and four. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things but has sent the rich away empty. This sounds like wonderful news for the poor and the lowly, people like Mary, but what does that say about the wealthy and the powerful, those who have good standing in society, like many of us, possibly? Is there something wrong with being prosperous or with enjoying the good things in life? Is there nothing for them, only judgment? for them? The answer is no. There's nothing wrong, per se, with being wealthy, with having money or high standing. There's nothing wrong with that. But here is the warning. The warning, the social economic security that we may have can blind us to certain realities and make us deaf to others making us unable to respond to the ethical and spiritual demands of the kingdom 
of God. Hear this warning for those of us who are well off, that it is in times when we are well off that we stand in awe of ourselves and our own power. That is when we are judged. We see similarly the truth preached by Jesus later on in the Gospels. We see in Matthew chapter 25 when Jesus speaks of the separating of the goats and the sheep in the end times. We read that it is during this time that the king will say, for I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me, I'm sorry. I was hungry and you did give me something to eat. I was thirsty and you did give me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And ultimately, what is said is whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So it is with the wealthy and with the powerful. The warning is that those who are wealthy and those who are powerful need to make sure that they keep their eyes off of themselves and off of their own accomplishments. They must always be willing to open their eyes and to not be blind to those of them that are around them who are in need. To those who have wealth, they should always be willing and able and ready to offer compassion to those who are hungry, thirsty, poor, sick, widowed, or without a home. For it is when they live a life through the lens that God uses that there is mercy for them too. Jesus makes it clear that it is not wealth that is the problem. We are not condemned simply for being rich or well-fed, but we are to be condemned when good fortunes blind us to the moral responsibility that we have for the needy. That was what was taking place during the time. That is what still takes place today. For those who find this life to be easy and satisfying, the great reversal serves as a warning. While wealth and power are not evil in and of themselves, they are spiritually dangerous, always threatening to lull us into complacency, complacency that makes us ignore the other. Wealth and power, they can make us proud. They can make us rely on our own resources, failing to recognize that we ultimately need to still depend on God. One final note on this piece of the song. When God empties the rich of their excess and fills the hungry with good things, the result is not a social reversal in the sense that the powerless and the powerful completely change roles. Instead, it is a leveling plane. The rich and powerful are stripped from their arrogance and taught to love their neighbors. And God provides for the poor and honors the humiliated. He brings them to an even playing field. This brings us to the final reversal or change that Mary sings of. The final reversal is a little bit more hidden or indirect, if you will. Israel, the servant of God, has throughout history been subject to God's judgment. But now Israel is the recipient of God's mercy 
God remains faithful to those promises made long ago. We hear the prophets that spoke of these judgments towards Israel. Micah writes of the Lord condemning Israel for their dishonesty, their greed, their violence, and their idolatry. Amos writes that the people had neglected God's instructions to care for the poor and the vulnerable. Jeremiah writes of God's judgment because the people deserted God and burnt incense to their own gods. These judgments have taken place time and time again because the people went their own way. But now, now is the time, as Mary sings, now is the time that Israel is to be remembered fondly. God is doing a new thing. He is fulfilling the covenant that he made in the beginning so long ago to Abram in Genesis when he said, I will be your God and you will be my people. Verse 54 and 55, while judgment has occurred, now is the time for mercy. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. To Abram and his descendants forever, he is merciful, just as he promised our ancestors. A reversal, a change, it has come. The Lord is now offering mercy to his people. Another point that should be made very clear about this great reversal as we see through each of these verses. This is the work of God. God is the one that is acting to set things right, to bring the healing and liberation in this world and in the next. God is the initiator in all that is done here. This is provenient grace. This grace and mercy is offered from and by God without us needing to make the first step forward. It is not something that humans can accomplish in and of themselves. So this announcement of the great reversal, it's not a call for humanity to step up and create the social upheaval. This song sung by Mary is a song of celebration, a song of hope that God our Savior is at work. He is the one that's stirring up revolution. He is the one that is going to change this world as we know it. It is all about God. It is all about his revolution. And it's all because of Jesus. It's all because of a baby. But even now, Jesus has only been conceived as Mary sings. He's not yet been born, yet he has made Elizabeth's baby leap for joy in her womb and has made Mary giddy with excitement and hope and triumph. This baby changes everything. The birth of Jesus, the Messiah, the savior of the world changes everything. This savior brings restoration to the broken system of society. This Messiah brings God's saving judgment to us all. This Emmanuel humbles us down from the pride that fills us with ourselves. But it also honors and elevates us, bringing us up from the shame that distorts our worldview and convinces us that no one, not even God, could love us. 
Mary's song, it magnifies the Savior who loves the whole world with a love that makes creation whole again. The promise is being fulfilled. Wholeness of creation has come. Mary recognizes all that this baby has done and all that this baby will do. She recognizes her blessed nature because Yahweh has seen her. Yahweh has not forgotten her. Yahweh has not forgotten us. She sings praise to God for his restorative work that is actively taking place. She proclaims the good news. She proclaims the good news that this baby changes everything. It changes things for her. It changes things for the people of the time. It changes things for us today. But it doesn't just end there. This restorative work through Jesus is not just something for you and for me. We are also being called to partner with, partner with God to reenact this restorative work, to strive to be change agents along with God. We are to also proclaim this good news just as Mary did. We are to also participate in this leveling of the societal gap we are to join in with God with what he has already begun to do. We are to proclaim the great joy that this baby changes everything. We are to join in the singing that our Lord, our Emmanuel, our Savior of the world has come, that he truly does abide with us, that he casts out fears, sin, pride, greed, and selfishness, and that he brings about hope mercy, love, and compassion. Emmanuel has come, and we thank God for fulfilling his promise. Stand and sing with me, O little town of Bethlehem.
Abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. A baby has changed everything. Hear this benediction. May your hearts leap with joy, and may your mouths be filled with praise. May you leave here announcing glad tidings of peace and welcoming Christ, our Savior, Emmanuel in our midst. Amen. Go in peace, friends.